My name's Marcus, and I'm no expert comic book collector. With help from some not like-minded friends and you, our audience, I want to explore the amazing medium of comic books. This podcast is a reaction to all the common misconceptions I hear about comics as an art form. It's about how superheroes aren't the only type of stories you can find in comics. From true crime and memoir to historical fiction and sci-fi, comics have it all. This podcast is about educating people on what they can find out there and giving readers new, old, or misinformed something great to read. Listen up, nerds and future nerds. This is the VF Comics Podcast. Welcome to the VF Comics Podcast, the best weekly comic book sequential art podcast dedicated to all types of readers. Each week, we will explore various topics, news, books, and talent in the medium of comics. I'm Marcus, and every week I am joined by a group of buds who do not share my opinions or tastes in the exploration of this fascinating world. With me this week is our friendly neighborhood barbarian, Jim and James. Fuck you, Marcus. <laughs> oh, Thank we're you. going TVMA Thank for this episode. All right. I got to yeah, I got to put no. a mature content warning on it. Also here with us no. is the always friendly but oddly antagonistic Meg. Okay. <laughs> also joining us is the soothing voice of the only person I'd listen to ASMR recordings of, Tom. Hello, how are you? <laughs> so every week we're going to have a variety of segments uh, covering the many aspects of comics and the industry that produces them. This week and once per month going forward, we will be welcoming special guests from writers and artists to industry professionals and academics. This month's guest is doubled because we have the writer and artist behind Curses, a new comic series that I think everyone needs to know about. Um, and you, we'll have a article up on our website at vfcomicspodcast.com on Thursday this week with a little preview to the book. Um, so everybody, uh, welcome Joseph Castile. Hey. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hey. And Jacob Fleming. Hi. Yeah. Did I pronounce everyone's name right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Absolutely. Even when someone tell, gives, has like a real basic name like John, I'm always worried about that. <laughs> so um, on top of talking to these guys about their projects and their work, we're even going to include them and get their insight on some news and have them bring us this week's recommendations. So... This first part of the episode is going to focus on you, Joe, and Jacob. And so you guys can take turns or intertwine. I'm not sure how much practice y'all have talking together sure, yeah. uh, for an interview. Um, but tell us a little bit about your history and experience with comic books. Jacob, you want to start? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I grew up loving comics. You know, I, my first comic, I believe, was some issue of Wolverine and I think I got it at the grocery store and I was just like hooked and then I was buying Wizard magazine and I was getting you know I was I forget it was like Toys R Us they sold bundles of comics and I would just like hoard comics even if they were garbage I was just loving them and I was really uh taken by the art and I really wanted to do that myself too so I would sit down and I would copy art out of the book and like you know practice drawing and I would just sit in my room and read and draw and that was that was kind of like my whole um early upbringing related to comics yeah um mine's funny the almost the opposite of jacob um as a kid i was just not allowed to get comics it was seen as a waste of time so what i did was i consumed every comic book cartoon that ever existed on the planet like i watched them all the spider-man animated series the batman animated series the the uh um, the X-Men, the uh, Justice League, went through the whole thing. And it wasn't until I was like, you know, graduated from school and started earning my own income that I was like, all right, I'm jumping headfirst into comics. And funny enough, I, so I, my instinct was to jump into superhero comics. That was like right when the new 52 was, was happening, I think. So it was like, great, start from scratch. And I, it still felt kind of overwhelming. Like I had missed out on 40 years of just intense kind of but this person's related to that person. Then they retconned that, and now he's reborn again. And something he died, and now it's a you know a different person. But he still has the memories of the. And I was like, what's happening here, man? And, and then I started getting introduced into indie comics, basically just any non-superhero comics, and I love them with a passion. And I've been 
I have bookshelves of them now, ranging from comedy, fantasy, horror, whatever, across the board. And I've just been so enthralled with the stories that are told or can be told in comic books that really, until very recently, were never told in any other medium, essentially. So really just been a, uh, enjoying it for the last about 15 years or so. That you you and I share very much a lot of the same history on our experience. It was around the time of the New Fifty Two that I also started, and yeah, they were like because um, a lot of characters got rebooted, but like Batman didn't get like they kept all of his history, which also didn't make and sense. And the Green Lantern like carried on from the still long, and Green Lantern, long, yeah, long history that was happening before it, kind of thing. Yeah, because they weren't going to tell Jeff Johns no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeff, um, you said that you. Um, didn't have any comics. Did you have like I, Calvin and Hobbes? I, oh, oh I, I, I'm sorry. Let me let me rewind. Oh. I was obsessed with Calvin and Hobbes. So I was thinking traditional comics. So I literally own every Calvin and Hobbes book of all time. And in fairness, I did have traditional comics. They were DuckTales comics was what I had as a kid. Again, okay. same thing. Oh, got man. At, at Great. The store. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, no joke. Oh. I literally owned, I think I, it was one of the first books I ever read on my own as a child. I remember vividly. Calvin and Hobbes, I own every book that has ever existed. And I think it also helped shape my sense of humor, too. Like, the structure of setup and delivery for, for jokes, I started realizing a few years back I can that, see I, that I got it from mm-hmm. Calvin yeah. and Hobbes, Bill Nice. Bill Watterson is a good person to take after, yeah. for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um. So, I mean, that kind of covers the next thing I was going to ask you guys about, about, like, you know, is there, like, a well, at least for you, Joe, like, is there a definitive comic that inspires, you know, not just your work, but even just maybe the other things that you read or other things that you write? I, I guess now. And if not a comic, it, I mean, any anything. I, I guess the answer is now that we've touched on it, it would have been Calvin and Hobbes. And had Jacob not mentioned that, I would have said I don't know. But he's you're 100% right. That was the, I grew up it, it, in a time where especially I grew up in the late eighties, early nineties where there, this is before, even when the internet existed, there weren't really like places to congregate and discuss about fandom for sort of like non massively popular things. Granted, Calvin Hobbes, yes, was popular, but this was just a thing that I had on my own that I didn't know anybody else, you know, who was reading it or whatever. I sort of appreciated, loved the humor, um, you know, and it was, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have anyone to connect to it. I just knew that what I that everything was reading was just so joyous. You know, like I love the art, I love the uh, the storytelling, the, the the humor. And I'm realizing, I, I realized a few years ago that it helped develop my sense of humor, my quick thinking, and again that setup delivery sort of format kind of thing. Um, absolutely, that has framed um, a lot of my um, you know uh, appreciation for. Um, uh, satire and stuff like that in in sort of like non-traditional context you know they're not knock knock jokes they're not a stand-up comedian giving giving uh you know telling stories or whatever it's just through art um set up and delivery and it, yeah i think that that absolutely would be the foundation of where i get most of my uh, inspiration from you know it's awesome that you you talk about that from like bill watterson's like delivery and the way that he structures the story through the panels because I was, it made me instantly want to ask you, like, have you ever heard of uh, Three Nuts? Have you ever? No. It's like someone a couple years back, I think it was like 2011, noticed the pattern in all of Charles Schultz's stuff that he delivered the punchline at the very end. Uh, and if you took away that panel, every character in a story is just massively depressed. <laughs> like They're all dealing with this big existential yeah. crisis that he would lighten up at the very end. But he was like, oh, if you remove this panel, yeah. this despair that's on all these characters just pervades throughout the whole story. That's awesome. And so he's got several uh, just, you know, strips where he's emitted that last panel. They, and it, it, it reads just so there grim. There was something you know? almost that's identical to that that's called, I think it's called Garfield minus Garfield. Yes, yeah. Garfield yes. without Garfield. Yes, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, yep. and it ends up oh actually God, so being good. about this like very depressed John who's like having an existential crisis and is sort of talking to himself about a lot of these problems. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> and I just I had never so thought good. as a reader about about how they put that like how important that is until they 
they subtract that. And then I was like, oh my God, you know? So yeah. that's really great to hear that. You, you're and, and now that I think about writer. the peanuts thing that you mentioned, that's sort of the modern day, um, you know, people on the internet on Twitter and stuff like that who are almost sort of like uh, dealing with whatever pain they're going through with some jokes. A lot of times they just add LOL to the end of the sentence. Today was the worst day of my life, yes. LOL. You know, like that's the, that yes. was the modern equivalent. It sounds like of Charles Schultz, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's so true. Whoa. <laughs> well, there you go. I've never thought about that's that. So cool. <laughs> Jacob, so uh, what inspired? What has inspired you? Um, well, shortly after I dove into comics at an early age, I picked up um, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, and like shredded that book completely. Just you know, <laughs> copied every illustration I could out of there. Uh, but also around that same time, I picked up um, Understanding Comics. By Scott McCloud, that one was, you know, it still is extremely important and really interesting um, dissection of the whole storytelling medium. So that one, that one stuck with me since I picked it up, and I, and I since, you know, recommended that to Joe, and I think I've lost several copies over the years and had to pick it up. <laughs> I still have mine for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's not just for that book in particular. It's not just the content; it's the delivery, the way he delivers it in a comic format. Yeah, like as you know, he n- is narrating it himself, and the way he mixes art styles to like show differences and his, it's I, Scott McCloud is uh, is yeah, a genius. Not only is it a great source of information, but it's such a brilliant delivery form. But uh, even if you just put aside how much easier it is to process that information, it's also immensely clever to deliver it in, a, in, a, in that uh, format as well. You know? So for next, I want to specifically talk about curses. And I have so many questions and so many ideas. And I've got it right here. And since we're on video, I want to show everybody. This is curses. And it's the first three issues are so good. I um, I believe uh, Jacob, a mutual friend of ours, is who told me about you guys. And I mean, this is just some... Really good stuff here. Just real high quality art and storytelling. But I'm going to let you guys. Talk. I'm going to gush over it in a in a blog thing later. Um, but I want you guys. So tell us about. Um, let's start off with like a synopsis and maybe what you hope to do with the series curses. Yeah. I'll let Joe. Uh, yeah. So the the general. <laughs> I mean, the elevator pitch that we used to give was sort of like. Um, Scooby-Doo meets Clerks sort of thing, um, where it was sort of like a, a lighthearted monster mystery uh, with like mid-20-somethings sort of like, um, you know, in, in a small town, like um, being crass and making, you know, nerd references and, and movie references and stuff like that. So that's just sort of like the shell of the concept. The premise is um, in this small town that we made up called Hesby, California, which... Um, Jacob has based heavily on some of his memories from living in Fresno, California. Um, basically, without warning, uh, mummies show up. Uh, like actual full-blown Egypt-style mummies. Um, and nobody seems to be aware of what's going on except the two protagonists. And they've decided that this is going to be their mission. They're going to figure out what, why, when, and how and try to track down the source of it. And They've decided they're the only ones that can stop it, along with the fact that nobody else believes them anyways. Um, and that's sort of what, what we're dealing with, introducing some new characters, getting to the bottom of this mummy curse. Why are they showing up in this town specifically? And um, and hijinks and hilarity ensue. Yes, they absolutely do. It's... <laughs> It's great. I thought y'all yeah, done a great job of writing the characters reading. and you know, Jacob, I know you're not doing the writing, but the amount of character you've put into just their facial expressions of not just the main characters, but every character, there's a consistency in that quality that, you know, and you know, I am going to gush. I <laughs> was right. I was writing up the, the, um, the blog entry that I was going to do for it. And, one thing I was talking about is that sometimes with indie, because you don't have like, you know, all these editors and corporate publishers kind of helping maintain y'all two's relationship and your cooperation on a piece like this. Sometimes with indies, instead of getting jaws, you know, the original, the Steven Spielberg film, you get jaws three, you know, you get like, like the idea was there, 
but you really poop the bed. And I mean, guys, this is, you know, when we met earlier, this, I told you, this is something that I would expect to see from a major publisher, um, quality and well, all. And I, it's astounding that it's just you two guys. I, in fairness, we ha- we do have an editor who we give credit to. Um, and it and it helps that, you know, we get a lot of wild ideas and the editor kind of reels in some of them. Hey, some of these are great. Let's work on this one. Let's work on that one. One of the things I want to okay. touch on, on in addition to that is Jacob might not be the writer, but he is such a, not only, we have the same sort of sense of humor and he's such a great artist that I will send him the script, which are my own jokes. And then I'll see the same script superimposed on his sketches and they make me laugh again because they're, because of exactly what you said, their facial expressions or the beats that they take make it even funnier. It's, and it, it, it only works because we both have kind of a similar sense of humor, just coming at it from two different aspects of it, essentially. Mm, yeah. Um, so how did you guys come together to make this book like, uh, I, you know, even if you were friends before, what made you two, what brought you together? Yeah, we um, shared our love for comics before I started this. But when I went back to college and took like a cartooning class, the thesis that I had to come up with, but I just kind of was spitballing ideas. And I didn't like try and say like, I need to make the most perfect comic. I was like, I just need to make a comic. So let's just pick monsters or something monster of the week. And then mummies, I was just drawing mummies in the sketchbook and I had already kind of uh, drawn um, concept sketches for Mega and Rosa. So I took those characters, put them in this situation, just made a 12 page story called mummy hunters. And it was basically the same kind of rough idea, but I showed it to Joe and then Joe fell in love with it. And then he kind of took that and ran and got very, very excited. Yeah. This was just a random side project that Jacob did for a class. And I was so inspired by the look of everything. I loved the character design. I I loved mummies. And, and and I was like, so it started with me being like, this is so great. Have you thought about adding this? Have you thought about adding that? And and it was so overwhelming. Jacob, he goes, listen, uh, no, I haven't thought of any of that. Would you be interested in writing for some of this? And I was like, oh my God, yes. Um, and again, this is, he, it was all, all the concepts, the art concepts were there. The look of the town, the, the look of the art, and especially the look of the characters. I don't even think I knew their names when I first started. And, and I was like, I just, I, I looked at them and I said, this person's going to be like that. This person's going to be like this. And it was all based off of how inspired I was with this, just like the, off the top of the head concept that Jacob came up with. Um, and funny story, the original um, setup that we had, one of the scenes from his Mummy Hunters, we were like, all right, we're going to build this scene. And in writing, I realized there's too much to get to, to get to the scene in the first issue. And so I'm like, we'll throw it in issue two. And then in, it was still, there was still way, long story short, that the inspiration part, the thing we were building towards didn't even show up till issue three. We did two full issues before we even got to the foundation oh, of the idea, which was the parking lot scene, essentially. That was the original thing oh, okay. he drew in Mummy Hunters. Right. And go figure in... Yeah, when they're in front oh, of the wow. video store. Yeah. That, that was like the, the, the whole story just took place in front of a video store. But the, okay. um, the Kevin character looked a lot different in my original um, version. But uh, I really liked the way he turned out in the new one. I think after we Joe wrote him, I knew he looked much different. And yeah, the way and it was portrayed original. So again, I really, lo- yeah, I really love that character. It, it, it's weird to think that we had a starting point, right? We're like, okay, I got Mummy Hunters. Let's let me write to get there. And in my head, it was like, do we open with the scene? Is it a flashback? Do we flashback afterwards? Explain how we got there, and then through natural progression, somehow we're three issues into and just barely getting caught up to the original scene that we had designed together, essentially. That's did that feel really good to be like wow like that really shaped itself naturally, yes. and that was yeah. so deep into the story at that point. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, writing issue one was it was challenging because it was the first time we ever collaborated, but writing issue two was much more difficult for some reason because I feel like we were working towards something, but we were still in the beginning of the story, so we were trying to you know, get the engine started. And then issue three wrote itself pretty much. I feel issue three is my favorite issue. Like it felt like exactly like you said, it literally almost wrote itself. And in doing so, I accidentally introduced two characters that people really enjoyed and, and grew a team. I didn't know I was building a team when I started writing the comic. 
Um, That's awesome. And it, and it just came out so well from the foundation laid in, in one and two, essentially. And it's so good to hear from like a writer and artist. I feel like a lot of my favorite writers and artists you hear, this is the natural like course of events. You guys didn't try to rush in the first issue to the thing that you wanted to do. You allowed it to naturally build to that. You, you know, you, you updated the characters visuals based off of like the natural way that Joe had caused or had decided a character was going to behave like that Mm -hmm. is, you know, you guys are, I feel like a lot of people like you um, kind of downplay it as like, oh, that's just something that you do. But especially in a collaborative effort, I feel like it's really difficult to find people who are willing to allow that to happen. Um, you know, I, I feel like you guys are in a much more unique situation than maybe even y'all realize. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I have to kind of put myself back in the mindset of when I came up with the mummies in the small town and the you know, modern setting, I just kind of let go and don't try to, you know, hold on to something or die on a hill, you know, just try to, you know, let it progress the way it's going to be. And I think that we now, now it feels natural and now it feels right. And, and it's funny. I've heard that from artists, uh, like even musicians who are like, we've had four albums out already and nobody knows who we are. And then they finally wrote a hit song and they're being played everywhere, including Starbucks. And they interviewed like, what was different? And they're like, for the first time ever, I decided not to, like essentially what you said, die on every, every word, every line of the song, how complex the, the chords were going to be, just sort of like let it casually flow out without overthinking everything. And sure enough, mm-hmm. you know, like 10 years into making music that somebody finally you know, wrote a huge number one hit or something like that. And I think something Jacob said earlier too about like, this wasn't like his grand story that he's been thinking about for millions of years. This was a neat idea that he just kind of had for a class that he had to do, and it built it from there. He wasn't trying to tell his magnum right, opus right, right. Um, on his first, you know, shot out. Uh, which, if this is your first shot out, can't wait to read, read your mag- see your magnum <laughs> opus. But <laughs> until we get there, yeah, it takes a heart a lot of advice. That you know, I listen to podcast interviews with other artists and creators, and you know, their advice always just like just make and finish a project a comic, you know, and don't try to make it a hundred pages, you know, or whatever, just do like four pages to start and do something smaller and keep building from those failures and successes. And then you learn a lot more by completing projects rather than, um, I don't know, writing the most perfect thing. And then, you know, pouring a lot of time into it. Well, I'm sure James, and maybe you can speak to this on, as a comic book shop owner, I'm sure you, you've had people who are selling their self-made, self-published series, and it's run into a lot of the pitfalls um, that uh, these guys seem to be avoiding and get canceled and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times it's just about making sure that you're telling a good story that, uh, you know, is going to communicate something in that one issue. Uh, a lot of times people send, uh, you know, like you said, their magnum opus, you know, and then they talk about how it's going to go for, you know, uh, issues and issues. And, you know, th- they've got this idea for this character that's going to spin out of it and whatever. And, and nobody's ever really wanting to, to really just tell an interesting story as they're doing it. It's also nice to, to get stuff that isn't, you know, just completely superhero based. Uh, I, I really enjoyed y'all's, uh, y'all's comic. Good, good. Uh, it was a bit of a fresh breath of fresh air for, you know, some of, uh, you know, uh, some of the other things that we've gotten are, you know, a little bit more dense and, uh, and a little bit more ambitious, I guess you would say, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, be able to, to, you know, communicate something in that, in that one issue and then, you know, build off of it. Uh, I, I think that's just really important. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, so for this next part, I don't want to take too long because uh, we started a little bit late today and man, we've just been talking. I, man, I've really listened to, I've enjoyed listening to you guys talk, but I know we can't do this all day long. Um, for this next part, if both of you guys have any other projects, 
Kickstarters or anything like that that you're working on that you want to talk about, or if you have plans for anything else that you're doing together you want to tell us about, um, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, I, I, Jacob, I'm going to let take over. He's, I mean, this is what he does for a living. I, I, I have a day job, essentially, and I love doing this, and I would put as much time in it as possible. The problem is that, obviously, you know, we don't, there's not a huge market for, for this yet. Um, and so, I, as a result, me and Jacob have spitballed other ideas and stuff. A lot of them are, we're just kind of holding on to them because uh, Jacob's got a lot of projects that are brewing right now. I know that for sure. Yeah. During um, last, I think it was like November, I started on this project because, it, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic and I didn't have a comic we were working on. I think we were still wrapping up or we had just wrapped up issue three and I was writing a, because I played Dungeons and Dragons or I, or I run a game for my friends and I wanted to make my own like module. And so I really sunk deep into writing my own like adventure module. And then, you know, in February of this year, there was like a, an event on Kickstarter for um, this sort of thing. And I was like, oh, this would be perfect. I should run and do that. And it ended up being really successful. So now I'm preparing to do my second one. Um, that's kind of a follow up. And since I did that, I've been doing a lot of illustration work for this sort of thing, too. So that's really been what I've been working on. But, but this coming November, I am running another Kickstarter for my follow up Dungeons and Dragons. Well, it, I say Dungeons and Dragons, but it's like old school, like early 1980s, basic expert rules. It's kind of um, like a, a spinoff of first edition, would you say, right? Exactly. Something like okay. That. Yeah, so it's like about that era, um, and it's um, yeah, it'll be you know, it'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, and, and that actually briefly re awesome. reminds me that one of the other concepts we yeah. kicked around, Jacob, that we're you know we're still potentially talking about again yeah. with me writing and him drawing was essentially me almost running through telling the story of adventurers going through a, a D and D campaign, essentially like putting my the, mm -hmm. my, my core four wacky characters that I played over the last four or five years, sticking them in like a wagon together with each other and forcing them through an adventure and writing that fantasy sort of story already. Uh, so we've kicked that idea around a little bit. Uh, as, as yeah, and you sent me like a, you sent me like a pitch document yeah. with like a the, first few the pages opening of the script. Scene, yeah. I laughed just because the way I was picturing, you know, how, what you had written yeah. and how I would draw it. And I just thought it was, it was yeah, I liked it. I think it was gonna be Ooh, that's awesome. That. Oh, yeah. We haven't found Please the time yet to work on that. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Yeah, especially like if Joe's working full time and you've got all these other projects. But uh if y'all end up doing that, please let us yeah, know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what we talked uh, about the uh, next uh, one might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Perfect. great. Yeah. yeah. That'll be really, really a couple cool. uh conventions that we're going to um coming up at the end of October. Yes. I've got um Death Ray Expo, which is in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And then um, Comic Conway, which is the fourth. Oh yeah, thirteenth okay. and fourteenth. I'll be I'll be there for the weekend. And then uh, don't forget, first oh, week wow. of December, we're doing Los Angeles That's Comic Con. Also. Yeah, it will be yes. LA Comic Con, which will be the biggest convention that we've awesome. we ever That's, been to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be. I've been there as a as a patron, but uh, having a table there is going to be yeah. something else. That'll be really, oh, congratulations. really cool. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I will definitely be seeing you at Comic Conway. Yeah. I want to find a way to get to there, I think. Yeah, it's not far I'll from figure out my rock, schedule. So. Yeah, that'd be a really easy trip. I thought about um, the Fayetteville one, but I don't know if I can get up there. I mean, it's not that bad of a drive, but it would just be the day. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'd definitely like to see you in person, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> Comic Conway, that'll be, you know, yeah. that'll be much closer. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, and then um, really like, you know, that's it. Unless you guys had anything else you wanted to add for that section. Um, again, uh, for everybody wondering, make sure to check out the episode description and our show notes, um, either on your podcasting platform you're using right now or on our website, www.vfcomicspodcast.com. So you can find a link to gelatinous cubism press which is where jacob is selling a lot of the things that he's worked on including the book curses and yeah that's issue three yeah i think if i remember correctly we have issues individual issues for sale and the and the packaged um the graphic, graphic uh, trade paperback collection trade yeah yeah, yeah. 
So, um, yeah, everyone should go check that out. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move on. And again, Jacob, Joe, I want you guys to join us in the discussions here. Uh, Megan has a couple pieces of news that she really wanted to talk about Let's this week. So Meg, get it, girl. <laughs> hey. Okay. So um, the first thing, NASA is releasing an interactive graphic novel. And I thought that was very interesting. It's uh, to help recruit a new generation of astronauts. And I just well, thought that was super I'm cool. behind I that. To talk about it with you guys. Yeah, initiative. Yeah, that would be absolutely. awesome. What, what makes it interactive? It is, is it? Is. So, yeah, so it is, you can get it online. So you can download the PDF or you can just read it online for free. But also they have like QR codes embedded in the whole thing. And so it also has sort of a wow. augmented reality aspect to it. Oh, cool. So I know, I think it, I'm so excited about it. It's 40 pages. I haven't actually read it yet. It's funny to think that children no longer, uh, you know, like dream of being an astronaut anymore, right? Like that was like the traditional thing. Like what do you yeah. want to do when you grow up? Astronaut, right? Like fire fighter whatever one of those like careers and we and i guess that's diminished enough that we need a that's comic I, or, thinking. I mean that's that's super fun i think that's really neat yeah I thought the same thing when I was reading it. I was like, isn't this what half of my class wanted to be like an intern? <laughs> yeah. But apparently... What, what do they want to be now? Uh, like not so Minecraft much. YouTubers, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah. YouTubers, yeah. every single yeah. one. Oh my God. I heard yeah. that the number one like, response right. to what would you like to be when you grow up is famous. That, that, oh, yeah, really? That, that, that's oh, the, the, the statistic on, 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 those, on the questionnaire. For some reason, oh. that's the career mm -hmm. choice. That, that which is sort of like disheartening kind of thing. thing. Like, yeah. 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 No, I don't know how I feel. About I mean, that. there's there's some but, great ways to be famous. There, you know, you don't want to be probably Paris Hilton no. famous. Uh, but like, you know, maybe you know I'm trying to think of like a specifically famous do gooder person. Um <laughs> yeah. you, know, you wanna you wanna lean more towards Superman. I have another question. That's funny. What if other career choices decided to get in on the make a comic book to inspire kids, you know, like uh, uh, that'd be interesting uh, collection, you know, yeah. the 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 museum uh curator comic book or whatever it is, you know. Or yes. The, yes. The university <laughs> administration comic book. Uh that weirdly reminds <laughs> yes. me. I don't know if you guys that knew would work this. For me. Um, so I believe it's at the Louvre in Paris when the game, when the the Nintendo DS was out, you could get a specific Louvre um, like DS cartridge that you put in your DS, and it was a tour game built in that you could play on your DS, and you could what? only get it there. That's kind of neat. Um, that is, and it yeah. was, and I was like. I mean, I what a way that. to, like, I mean, it's almost like they were, like you were saying, like thinking of, well, how would we hook somebody? Why would an, a 10 year old ever want to go to the loop? Oh, there's an exclusive like yeah. game that talks about all these things on a screen. They'll be interested in that. So I think, yeah, comics for like, you know, all sorts of different uh, jobs. <laughs> like, you know, do you want to be a, a county assessor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Can make it a yeah, lot yeah. more interesting. Yeah, I'm sure there's a free comic book day book being worked on right now. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. That's awesome. Because on free comic book day, they do for, for kids, they do some pretty interesting little little books that are yeah. kind of uh, outside of mm -hmm. what you would expect. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that we, had one this awesome. Year. we had one this year for uh, for uh, earthquake preparedness. And, oh, oh really? man! Uh, just all kinds of <laughs> they had a Rosa stuff. Parks one this year hey, that's too. Cool. Oh, really? Oh, really? Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. James, so. what's the what's the strangest one you've seen? Just off the top of your head, like that you were uh, like, what on earth were they thinking here? That uh, that earthquake preparedness one was. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was actually from Dark Horse. I, I don't know if it came out a couple. It was years from Dark Horse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I see that. Unexpected. Yeah, not only that is, uh, you know, it, it like has the kids kind of sitting around, you know, learning about earthquakes, and then like the earthquake happens, and then they're kind of wandering Out around, all, all yeah. confused <laughs> in this post earthquake <laughs> land. Oh my you know, gosh! They're trying to using their skills that they had. Mm -hmm. to, Does it to, go so uh, far survive? as to show the consequences of not being? Prepared? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Timmy, Timmy would have survived if he had only remembered the stop drop the If only. If only he had covered his neck with his hands. As we sit here and laugh, like, you know. No. Maybe whoever worked on this watching or something and be able to clue us in on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like somehow one of them falls into a river and you know just odd stuff so yeah man but but i love falls into a river like what happens to him but don't spoil it come on i don't like that you gotta read you gotta read it find out it's called a teaser it's called a teaser man and you know what happened that's why you're asking you know what happened it was me i was so scared of earthquakes as a kid like i thought that the earth was just gonna split open at any moment and i was just gonna fall oh yeah Terrifying. I, I definitely yeah. Oh, yeah. thought quicksand would be more dangerous than it actually was growing up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Definitely. Quicksand does not get enough attention. It's a little anymore. disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little disappointing. It was the, uh, the ultimate uh, death whenever I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. You know, yeah. if you fell into quicksand, no, yeah. so it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. can save you. And, I, and, I, and I'm used to there being a sign that says warning quicksand. Play, you know, like yeah. That's, that's also yeah. 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 Atreyu, no. <laughs> Has global warming just dried up all the Oh my god. god. That went dark. Dried up all the quicks. We're not get, we're not going there. Um yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So if y'all are uh, interested in this, we're gonna include a link to this in our description. There's also an audio version if uh anyone wants to listen to the audio version, and they're also coming out with a Spanish that's version awesome. here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, cool. that's awesome. yeah, that's awesome. I think I'd like to check out the astronaut comic book. Yeah, it's called um, First Woman. It's about the first woman, a fictional character named Callie, who is the first woman on the moon in this universe. So, yeah. It's a little bit enlightening that the first woman on the moon has to be a fictional character. (laughs) I know. I was uh, thinking that while I was... Is, a, is there a long list of, 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 of humans that have been on the moon? I, I thought it was one of those things where they like check the box and we did it and then they just never bothered to go back sort of thing. That's yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty much the moon. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, yeah. that's pretty much the story it. of the moon is we got there. That's all you need to know. Anything right, there the except for some Transformers bear. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Got out of there. <laughs> Oh. oh man! Oh man! All right, all right. So the the next thing I had on the list to talk about was a uh, school in Texas um, recently pulled a YA graphic novel off of their school library shelves um, over a critical race theory protest. Ooh. So. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, So a speaking engagement in Texas featuring award-winning children's author Jerry Craft was recently canceled um, and his graphic novels pulled from school libraries following complaints from a small group of parents claiming his graphics are promoting critical race theory. Um, Can I ask what were the graphic novels about? Like, What is even the premise of them? Yeah. So um, a couple of his are, um, one is called New Kid, and then I honestly can't remember the name of the other one, but New Kid is um, came out last year, I believe, and it it won um, the Kirkus Award, the Coretta Scott King Award, and it was the very first graphic novel to ever receive a Newbery Medal wow. Award. And so, yeah, very good work. And it was about a 12-year-old named Jordan and his experience in a new school as one of the... Um, few black kids there and so his experience kind of um, and that's it, 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 it just and that, being a kid and growing up in that that's I, it. I, I that think, is all it's about i, I think we're just all suffering from the, the problem of uh people not the big scary boogeyman kind of words that nobody really knows what it means sort of thing and you can you know, lump something yeah. like socialism mm-hmm. and attach it to anything and be like oh god it's terrible and it's just like Taxes for the fire department or something like that. And they're like, no, oh, it's socialism. Probably. And without actually knowing what any of the, of the phrases mean. But the, I think if, I think if you took those same parents right. and, and got rid of that concept and said, Hey, how do you feel about a, a, a comic book where the main characters are black kids struggling to, to live in a new town or something like that? They're like, yeah, it sounds like a, sounds like a, a regular story, you know? 
Well, yeah, yeah. great, relatable. And I saw that the author, yeah, a lot of the author didn't even say like, oh, like you'll find information about critical race theory in here. And to the point that when someone tweeted asking him how this book was banned because them and their four year old read it, he was just like, I guess apparently I'm teaching critical race theory. Like he yeah. was just like, news, news news to, me. to me. And then I saw <laughs> another place, Megan, I don't know. Um, I found another news article about it and you tell me, if this is correct. And it was just like, yeah, something like 400 out of the 80,000, yes. you know, kids, yes. you know, parents were who were upset. And so it's a mm-hmm. very it small group. That's insane. They were able yeah, to alter the curriculum for the whole group. That's, that's yeah. I, I also yeah. want to know how many yeah, of those parents even read the book. Like, uh, 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 you know, like yeah. that. That's a great question. Because I, I think I cool. think the absolute foundation I'm behind. Sure. So, I have a problem with something, and it needs to be removed. Needs to start with great. How much of it do you even know about? Because if the answer is that's nothing, that's quote point two. Yeah. Yeah, how was the first question not well which yeah, part of the Yeah, text yeah, what is this do you that, feel yeah, exactly. is, uh, is 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 offensive on which to you page and, and how it, so? is this is this bringing harm and what kind of yeah. harm do you think is the possibilities of could be had that's just the basic day one conversation I think I would imagine um yeah. it's, seven people that, it's just amazing that you know the right has gotten so good at almost like weaponizing words uh being able to take something like critical race theory, which was, you know, probably the name of a academic paper or, or a book somebody put out and, you know, making it such a monster, you know? Oh, and they did the same thing with like common core back in the day too, where they applied yeah. what was something yeah. simple to a million things that upset them. And it, most of them it, don't it ends up being know. linked to, to, you know, any, you know, type of uh, prejudice or, you know, fear that someone has, you know, becomes, you know, you know, it's just right there. It, it pops into people's heads when they hear it because it, it's been used uh, that way on TV, on, uh, you know, Fox news or whatever. And it just it instantly elicits something that they're afraid of. Yeah. And these, you know, these parents flip out over it and not even know what it's really a, what that term means, you know? And, and, you know, this is, this is going to maybe sound awful coming uh, from me, but like, you know, if, if someone's not informed and they're trusting someone to inform them about it and they're informing them incorrectly, like that does suck because we all have plenty of things that we allow others who we believe are the experts to help inform us. But in this case, this, you know, it sounds so absurd, especially because Texas being a largely conservative state and only that small of a percentage of people are even against it. It sounds to me like right. a small group has managed to blow something out of the water that most people around them don't even agree with them on. They just decide they knew the right buzzword and the bright buzzword to yell was critical race theory. You're 100 percent um, right to get what they but, want. But, but touching on that for a second, there, there's two things that we we're talking about here, right? Like, well, first of all, you're 100% right. We live in a society, we can't be experts at everything, right? So at some point, you have to say, listen, there's something wrong with the plumbing in my house. I've hired an expert to give me an opinion on what he thinks is going on. And, you know, that sort of thing like that. There's an, it's entirely something different when a 20-page graphic novel or whatever it is is causing potentially an uproar mm-hmm. you actually have the time to become an expert on this thing that you don't are claiming that 100%. you don't like and are, you know are, are offended by like it doesn't take the amount of time it would take to become a you know an immunologist or whatever to read a 20 page graphic novel and say huh i didn't like this and and, and express actual reasons why now granted we i don't i don't I'm assuming nobody knows why they don't like it. It sounds ridiculous. I don't know if there's a second side of the story where they have read it and there's specific scenes that someone's upset about. And we're not hearing that aspect of it. But I'm probably safe to assume that that's not what's going on. I'm guessing that it's just the name of it along with the label. And everyone said it's got to be terrible. Again, we're talking about half hour of your time to check something out to see if you do or don't like it. And then if there are actual issues and concerns, that's worth talking about, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know. And I think it's something that needs to be recognized is that, like, so the basic idea for critical race theory, from what I've read 
you know, about its origins is just about a, a lot of it deals with institutionalized racism. Like, you know, it's not something that necessarily anyone is doing on purpose, but it's an effect of long, a long time of, you know, slavery and then segregation. And, you know, like you, you don't, you can't just erase those things. Like the second, you know, they made black people vote or like, you know, it's like the, the moment they made women vote, it's like things didn't immediately change across the world and everyone became minded and the way institutions ran changed. These things are kind of built into the history and we need to address but, that. But without even and that is offensive to some of these people. And to that, I say, but, but without even diving, I mean, you're hundred percent right, but without even diving into, I mean, everything comes with baggage in the sense that, there are people who consider themselves very liberal and want to teach critical race theory and do it in an incredibly wrong way. And the one out of a thousand people that do that is the is the is the one that gets highlighted by is the, the example that use, this is what could yep. be going wrong. Let's leave that alone for a second. Absolutely, yeah. This isn't a yes. book that has a label on it that says "Find your critical race theory here" with two arrows pointing down mm-hmm. at the book. It's yeah. just a yeah. book. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so without diving into a, a, a philosophical concept of what does this critical race theory mean or how can it be applied or are there wrong ways and right ways to teach critical race theory, that's not even the issue. The issue is the book, the creator has no idea what anybody's no. talking about. It's almost like somebody accidentally slapped a, a the wrong, like a sticker on the cover of a book that wasn't normally there and, and they ran with it, like the equivalent of getting like a, you know, like a, a for sale sign on something that's not for sale. Uh, this should have been quickly corrected. Hey, guys, whoa, 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 mistake. Not that concept has nothing to do with this. If you don't believe me, take 20 minutes and look at it yourself. Tell me where, where you know, where the book hurts you sort of thing. Um, I, I feel like it's a, it's a simple solution um, without having a long philosophical debate as to what is and how to define critical race theory. Um, but... Well, and that same thing could be said, you know, as much as people need to be like reading the book to even understand if they have a problem with the book, I'd almost wonder, too, if they have an understanding of of critical race theory in the first place and whether or not they actually have a problem with it or, you know, there's right. You know, you brought up earlier, like it is it is easier now to like it's 30 minutes out of your day to read that book. And you can research things. The internet gives you all those tools, but it also falsely plants the idea in people's heads that they are experts on things that they've not really read about entirely or read a credible source about. And so that person becomes dangerous because they are spreading misinformation and planting false ideas Mm -hmm. into people's heads. And that now, I mean, definitely like being in what is looking like a post-truth society, like is a like, really contagious problem you know especially i think like in a state like texas where that that can be a really divisive issue well imagine any other topic right like anything else at all imagine critiquing something without having seen it what if you were a movie critic and you were like i'm reviewing the new james bond movie that came out i have not seen it don't know anything about it let me tell you what i don't like about it i don't like this james bond walking around doing whatever it is he's doing you know like that would be ridiculous on any subject, regardless of what it was, to say, I don't like, and no one else should be allowed to see a thing I myself have not seen. Yes. Well, and Joe, you kind of, I think I heard you right earlier. Basically, you were like, without even getting into all the philosophy and talking about even the critical race theory, we literally have a book and, you know, a juvenile fiction book that is going to be relatively short that we can say, open up, open this up and show me what is offensive to you? Like you can, we like, unlike a lot of things, we have a literal physical, easy to navigate thing that we can like, you can put your finger on where did this, where did it touch you? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Where, where yes. did the book hurt you? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I will but, say that this isn't every, you know, parent in the school district. There are a lot of people speaking out who are like, I am very upset that this, group of people mm-hmm. has made this happen and this does not you know this is not representative mm-hmm. of everyone here and the nice thing to see the nice thing to see is that good. it is like like i think i said four four hundred something out of like eighty thousand eighty yeah over yeah, eighty thousand people in the, in it, the it, area, it, so. it is the, it, it does show the power of the like loud minority on the internet where like you know a couple people can take over thousands 
um, you know, on the internet and in the news cycle. And so, no, you're right. And I would, um, if, if, if it was just 400 people were upset about something and that was the end of the story, you'd be like, this isn't news. The fact that 400 out of 10,000 were upset yeah. of something that caused it to be removed as a result. To be um, removed. Is, is they literally changed a curriculum, banned a book. And it's just like. It's scary man. and terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yes. You know, like it's sad. It's sad that people lost the opportunity to be exposed to that book. And, yeah. and it's. It's terrifying that 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 small group has that. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm yeah, enjoying this absolutely. conversation. I did not expect to go into a deep dive of this topic when we started talking about Wolverine comics about an hour ago. <laughs> and somehow we ended up and like just, just I, really taking on the, the heavy topics. I, I, I'm all for it. This is great. I yeah. told. <laughs> I told Megan, I was just like, yeah. great, we're going to have a light. <laughs> what do kids want to be when they yeah, grow yeah. up? And then we're going to talk about banned books yeah, and critical yeah, race yeah. theory. Yeah. Yeah. I woke up this morning and was like reviewing everything. And I was just like, I shouldn't have <laughs> no, put this on the news. No, get no. And this is, this is the kind of stuff I want to talk about. It's the why I don't have a Marvel or DC podcast that I ended up putting together. It's because there are important things to talk about. This uh, comics are just as valuable of literature as anything else and these sort of issues do happen and look like you said this was the first graphic novel to win a newberry award that is something to pay attention to that means that this is a very good book and then now it's caused you know granted it's only a small number of people but it's gotten this much attention because of the story that it's trying to tell this is this not just important in comics and graphic novels this is important in the world and i love it and megan you did a fantastic job i'm I'm all for it and and i'm here to talk about this stuff yeah yeah no and i'm super like joe i'm not gonna lie every time you got going i was just like yes go yeah before this interview whatsoever wouldn't it be funny if you brought it up and you're like damn right they should have banned that but like it's something you're like yeah (laughs) who's our guest i was like this will be awkward if they are like hyper conservative (laughs) or something like that and we just didn't see that coming yeah yeah Uh, you know which like i actually that's I said that to my. That's interesting. I said that to my husband this morning. Yeah. I was just like, I, I hope this works guys out. are cool. We but have it for the record. I, I guess it wasn't a mystery. We're, our the comic that we're promoting has two female characters of mixed race, and one of them is also LGBTQ. So it's hard to be like, and we're very yeah, conservative. And that's, yeah. You know, like that. That would have that <laughs> caught me by surprise if that were the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's hard, hard to jump into that. Where, whereas in reality, I see your book curses as promoting critical race. Right. Theory. Right. Oh. No, don't. <laughs> but oh anyways, no, I'm not. That's too far. Yes. And honestly, like, you know, if there was some disagreement in the conversation to me, like, that's good listening. And I would have enjoyed it. And I would have thanked well, you for your time and never. <laughs> I'm all for civil discourse um, one way or the other. So, yeah, I'm here for it. Yes. That's Jobs. Just Jobs. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> you can also tell who the introverts in this group of people are too, I think. <laughs> but I, you know, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Anyways. Um, so we are going to go ahead and move on time wise. And so the last thing that I'm going to do today is one of my favorite segments. It's where we get uh, our guests to recommend a graphic novel or something to read. As always, I don't enforce this strongly, but I ask that the recommendations be something that could be read usually in a single sitting with little to no continuity knowledge needed. Um, just in case the collected issues are part of like an ongoing series um and so uh joe let's start with um great so i um yeah the the one that i i guess i'm recommending is um gideon falls it starts and stops uh on on uh in six books there's nothing else to it other than this one set story cohesive in the set universe it would you would call it uh for maybe a like horror mystery is i guess how it starts off like it definitely deep-seated mystery that has intense kind of um, horror vibes to it. But the supernatural starts taking place, and by halfway through the story, pretty much you are um, like dealing with multiple realities and, and, and other universes and stuff like that. And it, it really it really pushes the limits of uh, unique storytelling uh, like I've never seen before. I can't say like, oh yeah, this reminds me of. Absolutely not. Um, and I think it even, it, it might have gotten picked up uh, 
it, it's trying. They're trying to option it for a TV show. I think. I think, if I remember correctly. Ooh, I'll have to double check that. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like you're. Be interesting to see how they take the artwork and try. I am. I, I, you would need like a team of people to try to like build the set that works with that sort of kind of uh, yeah art art concept for sure. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to check that out because I know you've recommended this to me before when we spoke on the phone um, a few weeks back, but I still haven't read it. I need to. Yeah, if you're a David Lynch fan or, uh, you know, par fan, it's really great. It's great. Oh, yeah, good stuff. Jacob, uh, what, have you, what did you think? About? I had uh, two that I was going to recommend. One of them's funny and one of them's a little bit more depressing. But uh, I, I sometimes will get graphic novels um, through the library system nearby. And, yeah. Yes! Yeah, the library. Yeah, the library. We work in the library. <laughs> And I was surprised that they had <laughs> these titles. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Because I, you know, did recently, I, I, I had heard of um, Dan Klaus's earlier works like Ghost World, but I never read it. I actually went back and read it. I'm not, I don't really like it that much. It's okay. But one of his books that I absolutely love is called um, Mr. Wonderful. It's a really funny story about like an awkward 40 something trying to date again. And then it kind of like spins off in this like, crazy comma comedy drama story um highly recommend that one it's a really short read but love his style it's kind of a different format too it's like wider than it is tall it's a kind of like a sunday strip layout um that one's that's one i recommend and another one is a um, shortcomings by adrian tomin oh man yes that book is uh fantastic it's um he's kind of writing a little bit with as himself as this kind of repulsive main character. Um, it's really, it's fantastic read. I don't want to give anything away because it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I would just say it's a drama. There's no comedy. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's really good. Yeah. They're, they're adapting that too. Randall Park is, uh, is, is adapting that. Oh, wow. What's yeah. it called again? Yeah. yeah. Shortcomings. Uh, shortcomings. That's yeah. awesome. Um, Dan Klaus and Adrian Tomin are both, um, big influences on um, my art style. I think Dan Klaus more so than the other the cartoony kind of uh, illustration. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, guys, those all sound like great recommendations. I hope our listeners check out those books. I'm going to try to check out what I can. I am starting to go broke. Um, <laughs> James, you want to give me Library, some? Library, yes. Yeah, but yeah. I need new stuff. I, I don't want to keep it. <laughs> oh yes. The library's got a limit on that sort of thing. <laughs> I work there, so they know where to find me. There are relatively new titles that they'll <laughs> add to the system. I've always been impressed with like some of the things that we do carry, and it, even like the full volumes off. I've also been disappointed by how like there have been some series I found where that we're just missing random volumes, even though we're not just one library. We're actually like, what is it, 10, 8 to 10? connected libraries uh, no there's 13. there's 13 there's 13 libraries 13. and i still can't find like a volume three of something um but i mean there's other ways I, i'm being picky i can't read everything there's so much good stuff. Hey, I, by, by the way i confirmed what i said earlier i just googled it gideon Falls has been picked up uh there it's got a director and everything it's not 100 sure what network it's oh, going cool. to but it is going to be a tv show it looks like yeah yeah now i have to read it yes 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 so much good stuff well um that is going to be it for us today thank um thank you joseph and jacob for joining us this week it was a great having you on you are fantastic um again make sure to check our episode notes for the links to gelatinous cubism press and to find all of their work um a special thanks again to jeff matika for our new original music you can find more of his original work on spotify instagram and twitter on the links also in the description jeff you are a gorgeous talent and i hope we can get more from you as we continue and then more thanks out to 806 films who is now editing all of our video and audio Thank you so much, Zach. You're doing a fantastic job. It was me and my microphone that were the problem last week. <laughs> Nobody else. <laughs> um, 
So make sure you can listen to us every week on Tuesdays on your favorite podcasting platform. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. But your search for great stories, authors, and artists doesn't have to end with this episode. You can visit vfcomicspodcast.com for more great free content like episode transcriptions, upcoming stories, Kickstarters, education recommendations, and much more. Does anybody have something they want to say before we go? Uh, No. Yeah. Have a great week. Yeah, have a great yeah. week. Thanks, yeah. thanks again to Joe and Jacob for coming. It was really great getting to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, we had a blast, man. Yes, thank yeah, you guys so much. Yeah. Go read curses, thanks, everyone. Yeah, go read curses. Yeah, go, go read curses. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs>